Because if someone's going to book an appointment with someone they don't know, they're kind of motivated if they're booking them to come out to the house without even talking to anybody. On Google, we're in direct competition with all the other investors in the city because mm -hmm. we're competing on keywords. Facebook, we're not competing with other investors. We're competing with a bakery and a shoe store down the street because we're paying to show ads in specific areas, not based on keywords. On average, I say like on the ad spend side, a minimum of 1500, depending on your city. So like San Diego or something, way more competitive. You need like four or five grand. But normal city, you're like 1500 bucks per city ad spend. It's a good starting point. The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get into the nitty-gritty of digital ads and how to find motivated sellers, which is a, a contentious piece in the real estate investing world right now, because everybody says it's really tough to find a seller right now, which we already know to not be true, but just kind of give us a background uh, on what you do and, and kind of your history in the business. Yeah, so sure. I got into digital marketing back in like early 2000s. And my primary focus for like the last 10, 15 years before real estate was dealing with large national and international companies. So dealing with large ad spends, uh, a lot on the SEO side. I got into real estate probably about seven years ago. And I paid my first wholesale fee. It was like 10 grand. I'm like, okay, this isn't bad. It was a good deal. Then I paid another wholesale fee. I'm like, wait a minute, I can get these deals on my own. So I slapped up a carrot website, started marketing, and, and we get a whole bunch of leads. Like, So I'm like, okay, we're crushing it here. I have the knowledge from dealing national and really competitive stuff. So we started just doing local marketing and we're kind of crushing it here. So yeah, we're helping out other investors try to get deals in their cities. Very cool. So one thing I, I want to make a point here, there will be investors that say, well, I don't want to do marketing. I'm just buying from wholesalers. And I always think that that's so misguided because I mean, by the very definition, you're paying for marketing with the wholesaler, with their wholesale fee, but they're running the ads they're getting the very best deals or keeping the best deals for themselves. And then they're wholesaling out the stuff that they don't want. Now, we don't wholesale. We talk about that a lot. But I've never really understood the idea of I'm anti-marketing. So how do you deal with someone? If, let's say somebody's an investor and they're kind of thinking about that. I mean, what's your thoughts there? Yeah. So I mean, it's something you can do time or money. Like if, if you don't mind paying a wholesaler 15 grand to do the marketing for you, when you might be able to get that deal for three grand, go for it. Because you're paying them to run around, deal with them. Uh, but if you want to build a brand in that, uh, own your market, spend the dollars on yourself. People are going to know you. They're going to refer people to you over a period of time, stuff like that. So, I mean, I guess either one's good. If you don't mind paying 15 grand and you don't want to deal with it, pay the guy. They'll send you deals. The problem is nowadays they're charging, like up here in Pittsburgh, you can't even get a deal. They're like, hey, 25 people, we're just showing it all at one time. Give us your best off. Like, oh, that's funny. So, you're in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm in Pittsburgh. Okay. So, we started running ads in Pittsburgh probably three years ago. A good friend of mine, Jerry Ricky. Okay. And our partners there. And I think my cost per contract was like 600 bucks. Now, 
this is before we had the big run up in pricing. And I know Pittsburgh, especially downtown, has like really kind of been revigorated in a lot of ways. But I never understood why somebody would pay a wholesaler, especially in that market when my cost per contract was like effectively nothing. So it's kind of an amazing thing. Let's jump into SEO. So for people that don't understand what SEO is, what is that? So SEO is pretty cut and dry. It's it's whenever you type in, say you type in sell my house fast into Google, you have the paid results, which is Google pay-per-click at the top. And then all the other websites underneath it, those are organic listings. So that's just Google is putting whoever they think is most relevant to answer whatever the question was that they just put in, they're putting them as number one. So doing SEOs, making your website as relevant as possible for what you do. So talking about what you do, not just trying to get traffic. Like if uh, someone's trying to sell their house, sell my house versus sell my house fast or sell my house cash is a big differentiator on like what their intentions are, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and the next question really just begs to be asked. So PPC or SEO, which one should I do? Depends. I normally start people with paid marketing first, just because we pay and we're at number one tomorrow. Like the first day we pay. It's expensive, but we're getting results. So I look at pay-per-click as renting a house. SEO is like owning a house. So if we do SEO, the work we do now, we'll get rewarded in maybe six months. We're not seeing leads for the whole time. It's working up the search engine. But once you rank there, you stay there. You're not paying to be there versus Google pay-per-click or Facebook. We're paying for impressions or paying for clicks every single time. And once we pull that ad spend, all our traffic disappears and we're out of business. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. So personally, I do a lot of PPC uh, I haven't really focused on SEO just because we have instant results with PPC and I've always really enjoyed that. And anytime we want to hop a market, we can do that instantly without having to find out six months from now if it's something that we want to do. But I, I can definitely relate to the point of the the whole, well, we're owning the the house if we're doing SEO versus renting with PPC. Because once you get that traffic and it is organic, then that's a, a really good thing. And that's a powerful thing. Here's a question that I've always had. Does the user view the paid ads as being less relevant or less trustworthy than the organic listings. Have there been any studies on that that you know of? Yeah, that's a good question. So if you look at my mom, she clicks ads. People might, I don't know, do you click pay-per-click ads? I try to skip them generally. Yeah, yeah normally I, I see a lot of people will skip them, but you figure who are we targeting sometimes? Sometimes it's older demographics. Like my mom, she'll log into her bank by clicking a Google pay-per-click ad. I'm like, come on, you cannot be clicking those. You know, you just get identity theft. So it depends on... There's different people that do different things. So some people click the ads, some people click organic. It's good just to be there for both types of people. That, that's a really good point. That's interesting. So let's say that I want to get involved in SEO. Is this something that I should do myself? Can I do it myself? Yeah, you can do it yourself. I mean, basically SEO, what you're doing is optimizing your website. You can do it yourself. I don't know. It, it depends. You'd have to do a lot of research. You want to opt- look at the keywords that people are searching in your areas. You want to optimize your website like the. What, what you're doing with SEO is you're doing a few different things. Number one, you have on-page SEO. That's optimizing everything on your website, which means writing unique title tags that are relevant, meta descriptions that are relevant, your body content, naming your images, all that kind of stuff, creating blogs. That's all on-page content. And then you have off-page SEO, which is building links to your website. So every link that comes to your website, as long as it's not spammy, Google looks at it kind of like a vote. So if you get relevant links pointing to your website and the page also talks about that what that anchor text was, you rank pretty well. So you can do it. It's just tedious. It's a ton of content writing and a ton of outreach. Okay. So to play devil's advocate for just a moment. So it sounds like to get a really good organically ranked site where Google feels like this is relevant, then I'm going to have to create a lot of content, have multiple pages, those kinds of things, which my understanding is directly against the the basics of conversion. So we get the traffic, but then not having the conversion. So 
what's the best way to kind of bridge that gap? So we have all these pages, we have all these blog articles that people will kind of get involved in, but doesn't necessarily convert. So how do we get to where we're, we're good at conversion on an organic side? Yeah, that's a good question. So we can do it a couple of different ways. Number one, with paid traffic, I usually send them to a different landing page, something that doesn't have all the content. But then also you look at too, on the SEO side, it helps. Like on my website, my website, you, can, you guys can check it out. It's 412houses.com. Just a, just a simple carrot say, but you'll see every single, um, I have every single borough broken into a different different page. So like we buy houses, Bethel Park, sell your house fast, carrot, uh, different things like that. And the goals are number one, get people to come through there organically. But then also if they don't convert, I'm sticking a mad in front of them because I'm going to retarget them. They've already shown me they want to sell their property. Same with you on a Google pay per click. You're spending $20, $30 a click. They don't convert. Stick a Facebook ad in front of them and retarget them for a penny. Okay. And, and that makes a lot of sense. So that kind of brings us into Facebook. So, you know, SEO seems it's kind of like the dinosaur of digital ads. Like right. in the 2000s, like everybody was trying to SEO something. And then was it Penguin or something like that that hit? Yeah, Google? Penguin nailed us hard. That one hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's like Google algorithm changed. Like uh, I guess Larry Page was like on it. It's like these guys were gaming this whole thing, and yeah. you know, it was like complete chaos in the industry. And that's really the end of when I was interested in SEO. But then, like Facebook was kind of at the beginning, really looked at as like the ugly stepchild of digital ads, and and it's really become prominent. And I guess a lot of it was the demographics, you know, it was just a college platform for such a long time. And now it's everybody. Like right. literally my children's great grandmother is on it, which I think is amazing. And so tell us what's the state of the union with Facebook ads and how do, how do things work with Facebook ads now versus SEO? Okay. So here's one reason I like Facebook for this. So we got three different ways. You got Google pay-per-click, you're paying per click. SEO, you're ranking in the search engine, long time to get results. Facebook, we're bidding on impressions. So it's an impression-based ad buy. What that means is Google, we're, every time someone types our types in sell my house fast, we pay 30 bucks if they click it. Good, done. Doesn't matter how many times they see it or don't see it. On Facebook, we're competing. Well, I take, I take a step back too. On Google, we're in direct competition with all the other investors in the city because mm -hmm. we're competing on keywords. Facebook, we're not competing with other investors. We're competing with a bakery and a shoe store down the street because we're paying to show ads in specific areas, not based on keywords. So it's not like we're in direct competition with other investors to keep bumping the price up like they do on Google pay-per-click. Facebook allows us just to, just a bid against all the other normal people that have normal bid amounts, not 30 bucks. Because 30 bucks a click's crazy in any other industry. Except here, it's like, that's nothing. Yeah, we were talking offline. I think mine's like 34 right now. So yeah. Yeah, I, I was just looking at uh, someone down in North Carolina. They're like 90 bucks. And especially with this crazy market, it keeps doubling because people keep up and they're having a hard, hard time getting deals. So people keep up in their ad spend, which turns everyone's ad spend up. Well, that's interesting. And that can't keep going on. Have you ever seen a market really collapse in terms of the, the bidding strategy in, in a certain market? Not on the bidding strategy. Things change though. Like even say like SEO with the Penguin update. Facebook's going through a big change right now with the iOS update. Yes. So what's happening with Facebook, for anyone who doesn't know that, Apple said on their new update, you can click a button and not share your information with any marketing companies, which Facebook and Google's algorithm is really big. That's why it works so well because they do use your behavior to stick relevant ads in front of you. So we'll see what happens there. Like that, like that that's a huge change. We don't know what it's going to be. We're seeing cost increase. Just depends on once those costs get too expensive for a deal, you know? So what was the the rationale for Apple to do that? I think they can get people coming to them saying that they're private. Like, hey, we don't share any of your information. You know, it's like, hey, buy an, buy an Apple. We're not sharing any of your information with the government or any marketing companies. Gotcha. 
So my understanding with the iOS update was that conversion tracking is near impossible. So there's a guy, I can't remember his name right now. He has a company called Hyros, which is a digital marketing tracking system that, I mean, basically he can track like, were you on this Facebook pixel and this Google pixel and YouTube and you open this email to a conversion, which is really strong in the internet marketing world, not necessarily for real estate investors, but he's just blown his company up because of this iOS update because my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that within Facebook platform, you can't really track the ads effectively. Is that kind of the case at this point? Yeah, so I'm not seeing too huge of an impact, but we are seeing some. So anyone who clicked on their phone to not share their data, they're not, we're not able to see that data. That doesn't mean that Facebook's not using that data to target people. Supposedly, they're not. but So mainly, we, we just can't see it. So it'll show sometimes, like you just can't register conversion. Whenever someone fills out your form, if they opted out, that conversion won't show in your ad manager, showing you you got a conversion. So it it looks like you have a higher cost per lead than you really do. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. But does it affect CPM? So like I've, I'm seeing one thing in my ads account that my CPM, where it used to be 30 bucks, is now closer to 100. So could that be attributed to that iOS update? Or is that yeah. something? Big time, just because... So Facebook bases their ads and user experience on behavior. So if if they're following you, like like their code's on pretty much every website. So if they see you go to Zillow, this website, this website, and they'll see a specific... Well, say, say people fill out a form on your website. Say you got 100 of them. They can look at all 100 people and look at their behavior. Say, okay, well, when people do this, people do this, people do this, they're very likely to sell to an investor. They can show really, really good ads, which draw, and it also drops our click. Well, say 100 of those people that filled out a form on our website, 50 of them opted out. Now we don't get that data. So 50 people, we don't know where they came from, what they were doing. So it it uh, screws up the algorithm a little bit because it doesn't have as much data to hone in on people, if that makes sense. It does. That, that makes a lot of sense. So kind of gone into left field a little bit, but again, I think this is kind of fascinating stuff. Let's bring it back to real estate. So let's say I'm a motivated seller and I'm scrolling Facebook. So I'm looking at uh, my cousin that I don't like or something like that. All right. Yeah. You see this ad. What does that ad need to look like for the investor to have the the absolute best shot of converting that lead? Yeah. So what you're going to want to do, you're going to have, you're going to want to be really direct. I see a lot of guys going after, um, going after lead, trying to get leads, saying like, uh, "What's your homework? Home valuation, stuff like that." That will get you a lot of leads that they're garbage. What I found is you make an ad that's extremely direct. Says, "We buy houses and we pay cash, or sell your house fast." or I'm a cash home buyer, I can close quickly. Be really direct on your messaging there. If they click an ad like that and then go to a website like a carrot site or anyone that's is super direct saying, hey, I'm an investor, that will weed out a lot of people and get you a de- semi-decent quality lead there. Gotcha. Okay, so we don't want to take them to a form. We want to send them to a site that further pre-qualifies at that point. I prefer that way. You can do a Facebook form. So there, there's a difference here. So we have Facebook forms, which is whenever someone clicks an ad, a form pops up right in Facebook that auto pops your info, they press submit and you're done. I don't like that because we get a lot of people that want to rent houses, uh, buy houses, stuff like that, just because they don't know, they just saw a picture of a house and clicked an ad. Uh, I prefer to push them through, make them fill out, give me your phone number, email, read our website, and then give me even more information. After you give me your phone and email, I want to know why do you want to sell? How fast do you want to sell? How much work should property need? Confirm it's not listed. And then when it pops at the other end, I consider that worth calling Interesting. Person, you know, we're going through a couple of different forms at that point, and at that point, you're calling that a viable lead, right? And then another tip too that I use here in Pittsburgh: uh, whenever someone fills out my form, 
say it's two o'clock in the morning. I don't know. You know how speed, how it's so important to call these guys, right? So what I'll have happen, which you can implement too, right when they fill out the form, I have a text message sent to them immediately saying, hey, thanks for filling out the form. Here's my calendar link. Click it to book a time for me to come see your house. And a lot of people, especially in Google Pay-Per-Click, a lot of people in Google Pay-Per-Click will hit all three investors and fill out their forms. If they book an appointment with you, number one, it shows their motivation. And number two, it a lot of times distracts them from filling out the competitor's websites. Instant gratification. Dude, that is so important. So we're actually about to test a new website. So my website, I mean, we have a a 22% conversion rate on Google ads right now the past 30 days. So it's doing well. But one of the, we have two issues. So number one, what you talked about is, you know, the idea of I'm going to hit three competitors. I don't see that as much as I think everybody thinks that we do. It's, it's still fairly rare that we have uh, a, I'm not going to say it never happens. It's not exceptionally rare, but maybe one in 10, maybe one in 15, maybe one in eight to 10 would be a lead where it's like, well, I'm just looking for offers. I have five offers coming. Like we don't even like touch that. We just call that a dead lead. I'm not here to get into an auction situation. I just don't. And I have lead flow to where I don't have to be. Right. Right. But the other issue that we have is probably 30 to 40% of the leads we hardly ever even get in touch with. So even if they'll put in pre-foreclosure, sell as soon as possible, we call them within 10 minutes, they ghost us from then on. And so one thing that we're looking at, um, at doing in terms of conversion on the site is once the lead has been captured, is it opens up a complete chat form. Now, this is not like a, a chat like you see with, um, I can't remember the the different programs, but you know what I'm talking about, right. like the play options. But the entire website becomes a, a chat form. And it's like, hey, and it has like a camera on our person here at the office. And then we're running what we call the triage call, which is a five-question script that we're, we're beginning to qualify. And our thought is that if we can keep them and engage them there, that is going to keep them from going to other people's site. And it's also going to begin to build a relationship and we can set that appointment really in real time. But we're so much farther along than the other investors. And right. so that's something that we're going to be kind of testing. We're going to split test it and see what it looks like. I'm a little bit hesitant. I don't know if it's going to work. I think it's one of those things like in terms of conversion, there have been things that worked that we never thought would work, like a really ugly website. Right. And then we have some things that we we think, oh, this is going to kill it, and it doesn't. And so I, I don't, I, I have no reservations when it comes to this idea. But have you, do you know of anybody doing anything like that? Not the forms. I, I've tried the forms on sites. I didn't find much results from it. Uh, do this, do an A-B test beside that. So on your thank you page, put a button here, click to book an appointment and let them book there and then send them the text and email with that. in it. I can send you even exactly what I send. Try that. We get like a 40% appointment rate. It's insane what, what people do, you know? That, that's really, really cool. That's really yeah. cool. And then you can have somebody con- call and confirm the appointment. You still want to call, make sure they're not looking for a bazillion dollars and all crazy. But uh, yeah. it, sh- it shows your motivation too, because if someone's going to book an appointment with someone they don't know, they're kind of motivated if they're booking them to come out to the house without even talking to anybody. Certainly. That, that's a really good, interesting thing. I'll, I'll definitely have to keep you posted on on that. So what's the biggest mistake that you see people make with digital ads, whether it's Facebook or SEO? I mean, what, where are people really messing this up? Yeah, there's a couple of them. I see people not giving it a shot. Like some guys are like, oh yeah, I spent 300 bucks on Facebook. It didn't work for me. Yeah, or, dude, that's a terrible idea. Just yeah. hammer that that point home, man. Like you, you can't, $300 isn't going to save anybody. Yeah, it, it's like, it's like anything in the world. Consistency is going to work. So Facebook, Google Pay Per Click, SEO, you have to do them consistently to get the results. And then the other mistake I see a lot of people doing is not having the track. Like if you're doing Google Pay Per Click or Facebook, you need the tracking code on your website 
to tell Google and Facebook who's converting so they can optimize your ads for you. I see a lot of people that don't have the Facebook pixel, the Google Analytics code on there and wonder why it's not working. So that's a big one there too. Interesting. Interesting. So what kind of an ad budget do I need to be somewhat successful? And then let's talk about perimeters of geography. Yeah. So on average, I say like on the ad spend side, a minimum of 1500 depending on your city. So like San Diego or something, way more competitive. You need like four or five grand. But normal sure. city, you're like 1500 bucks per city ad spend. It's a good starting point. Okay. And talk to me about ad cost and lead flow whenever we go a little bit wider. So say, you know, I'm based out of Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I go Nashville versus the entire state of Tennessee. Like what's, what's the best option in terms of lead flow? Okay. So the best option in terms of lead flow is broader will get you more leads. So I do a lot of testing on ads and I put them nationally. And I get leads like super cheap. I'm mainly concerned on what the ad creative works. But versus uh, in Pittsburgh, we'll get leads for like 75 or 100 bucks. Nationally, I can get it for like 20 bucks. The thing you want to look at though is make sure, because I have a lot of clients come to me, they're like, yeah, hey, we can virtual wholesale or do this and that. And they pick too broad of an area that they get leads from them. And then they can't actually do something. So you want to go as broad as you possibly can, but you can still actually, like you're, you can still go see them in a timely manner and make an offer and do something in that location. Interesting. I have a couple of apprentices that do kind of a national model. And the problem that they had at one point was they were doing 100% national. So it would, you know, continental US, you could get ads from them. And they would end up in these super tertiary markets. And I know, you know, right. what I'm talking about. it's like you have a town of 200 people. And it's like, you can't even value anything. It's like, there's so many problems that can happen between how do you find a home inspector, finding a realtor, getting repairs done, if, you, if it needs some type of repair, those kinds of things, it becomes really difficult. So do you recommend going more of like a, a multi-metro market? Or do you think, well, the ad cost is so much cheaper if we go just blanket US that it makes sense to just go blanket? I think target the, target the metros. It depends. Target the places you can buy. Like, so say you have, say you target an area that has 200 population. Can you find a buyer? Like, do you know the people there or not? If you don't, it's going to be really hard to sell that because the population is not there. But if you have a good experience there, good. So I always figure target places that a lead comes in, you're going to be like, yes, this is a good one. I'm running on this versus targeting something out in the middle of the country that there, there's like 20 houses per city. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to ask a question that nobody can really answer, but it's one of those things that we're, we're going to see what you can you can throw at us. So let's say I'm interested in Facebook ads. And I'm sure the question that, that you get asked all the time is, well, how many leads do I have to generate to procure a contract? Yeah. And I know that nobody can really answer that because there's a, a far, far... It's a huge difference between someone that's proficient in negotiation and understanding deal structure versus someone that's day one and really has no idea what they're doing. It's like, it's, it's night and day. But what are you seeing the people that are successful, that are good on the phone and understand what they're doing? I mean, how many leads per contract are you seeing? It just kind of as a ballpark. Yeah, most of the guys I'm talking, it's like one out of 10, maybe one out of 15. Okay, that's really, really strong. That's really, really yeah. strong. So you guys are somewhere around you know, $1,000 a contract, something like that? Yeah, give or take. Like if you're in San Diego, you're paying three fifty, four hundred a lead. So you're yeah. like four or five grand a deal. Yeah, it depends on each area. The average lead cost I see across the US is like 80 to 125 bucks. So yeah. It's about that. Cool. And that makes sense. One thing that I think is really interesting, you know, I have a friend of mine that that buys and sells in San Francisco. And when I tell people that his cost per contract in terms of ads is $18,000, their jaw hits the floor and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. 
And it's really not. I mean, it's all relative to the market because he's buying a 400K equity position where my 2000 or $2,500 in ads is buying me a 75K equity position. Right. It's like, well, which one is really more expensive? Because you know he can do 10 deals a year and be at 4 million bucks where I've got to do six or seven times that. You know? Right. So you guys just kind of keep that in mind. Brian, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I think it's a fascinating subject and, and I appreciate your insight. For those that are interested in running ads or just have questions, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, they can check me out. My website's motivated-leads.com. So you can just go there, fill out a form or give me a call. Very good. We're going to put that in the show notes, guys. If you're interested in Facebook ads, be sure and reach out to Brian and we will see you guys next time. If you need anything, just reach out, brad at bradsmotherman.com. We'll see you next time.